Before I uh, get called out here in a minute <laughs> by one of, our, one of our own, I just wanted to share briefly, something happened, was it last week or the week before? Barb, do you remember when I had that word of knowledge at the end about the refrigerator? So after I said that, I was like, is that it? You know? The Lord moves in mysterious ways. And I had someone approach me this week, and that was just for them. When they lived at home, they had a rough life. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. I'm not going to identify the person. But that refrigerator had something to do with her life. And their original refrigerator died, and their, their mother went and bought this old rickety refrigerator and that was what she was reminded of was that life that she had as a young person and i said something about god wants to do something set you free from something and she raised her hands and she said i was released from that hallelujah and i'm only sharing this not to take any credit for it because I didn't even know. I thought I missed it. This is all God. So when the Lord speaks through people in this church, listen. It might be something you've been waiting for. And God moved in that woman's life. And I believe that she was set free. And God wants to do that in all of us. Amen? All right. Melinda, come on up. Uh-oh. All right. Okay, we're on. All right. Good morning, everyone. So I just wanted to come and talk to you guys today. Um, next Sunday, we're going to Fleming Farms. It's our third year as a church family to go. Yes. I don't know who that was, but yes. Should have known it was Claudia. I should have known. It's the pumpkin woman. She got the biggest pumpkin. So yeah, so we basically, we just go out there um, along with having a great time. They, we get a tractor ride out to the pumpkin field. We pick out a pumpkin. They bring us back. We get lost in the corn maze. We get lost in the corn maze because Dave makes us follow a four-year-old. Um, <laughs> it was great fun. We, and you get um, cider, donuts. Um, they have a... You petting get a zoo. Feed, yeah, petting zoo. You get to feed the animals. It's really a lot of fun. Again, this we is We recommend you eat first, though, before you go through the petting zoo. Yeah, don't, don't just, eat their Just feed. a suggestion. That's just, just don't do that. Um, so it's $10 per person. Um, and again, it's lots of fun. This is our third year to do it, and we're really excited to be able to do it again. So that's next Sunday from 1 to 3, and we all just kind of meet out at Fleming Farms, get in a little huddle, and then we go out to the... Then we overwhelm field. them. Yes, and we're like, hello. So, Greg, Greg and yeah. his wife really love it. We would love to uh, have you guys join us next week, so... Yeah. Thank you. What else did you have to say? One last thing. What was I supposed to do? As you depart. Oh, yes. Release the children. <laughs> Look at that. All right, kids, get out of here. Have fun. Please, God. <laughs> Thank you, Melinda. I love the pitter-patter of little feet. Welcome. I'm Pastor Norm, if you don't know me yet. 
Uh, it's great to have Jesse down here looking at, he, in the marine blues. Wow, man. You are looking sharp. Looking sharp. You know you're sitting next to an army guy, but hey, we won't. He's bigger than you, so just leave him alone. Next Friday, this coming Friday, I'm sorry, I'm going ahead. Faith in Blue, you probably heard about it a little bit, and everybody's been going, what is that? Well, it is connecting faith-based communities and law enforcement agencies to help build stronger ties and reinforce good relationships. And as the MSP chaplain, I've had a hand in this. So, what do I need from you? If you have time Friday, we'd love to see you come out. You don't have to stay for the whole thing, but from 9 to 11, uh, different agencies are going to be set up under the Gaylord Pavilion. Everybody knows where that is, right? Uh, we'll have coffee and water there, but that's it this time. But just come in and shake their hand, listen to what they do, and thank them for their service. And just say, as a believer, we're praying for you. You don't know what that means to these men and women, to know that their community is behind them, especially the faith-based community. And then at 11 o'clock, we're going to actually have uh, four different ministers, including me, uh, pray for law enforcement and our community because we know that there are things going on around this country that just shouldn't be going on. We need God. We need the Lord to move. So if you're able to, we'd love to see it. As I said, you don't have to stay for the whole thing. Just come through there. Bring your kids. What a great way to introduce them to law enforcement. And they're wonderful men and women. And we're going to have DNR. We're going to have uh, deputy sheriff. We're going to have uh, Gaylord police. I think they're actually bringing their canine. And then we're going to have the MSP, uh, a few different departments from there. So I'd love to see you there. And uh, if you can, stick around to 11 o'clock. Pray with us. Okay? Cool. Well, today's message is the adorable God. I love that word. The adorable Godhead. The importance of the Trinity. This is going to be part one of a, I don't know how many weeks. Maybe two, maybe three. And then we're going to dive right into the Holy Spirit, the baptism, and all of that. How many know that this church is Pentecostal? How many didn't know that? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> now you do. I just want you to know today that God is doing something supernaturally. I don't always understand beforehand what he's doing. In fact, I love it when he surprises me. How many can say amen? amen? We don't always know what God's trying to do. Whether it's in our personal life, in our community, in the church. But know this, God is working. He is working on our behalf. And I just want to try to relate this message to you as best I can. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess, some of this is from my studies. Is that okay? Because I, I went through three years of education. I should use some of it here, hopefully. And uh, hopefully it will minister to you. But the Trinity has, has always been one of those topics that people are like... What do I do with this? So we're going to try to address that. Let me begin by saying this. How many know I'm old? 
June raised her hand really quick. Are you sitting over there so I can't pick on you today? Yeah, but I can still see you. Yeah, I'm seeing that right now. Where's Junebug? Right there. Next to Nola and April. April's like, why did I come today? Hey, we're, we're, we love seeing you. There you go. As long as you're young at heart. Thank, thank you for that. So as a theologian, we're all theologians. Say, I'm a theologian. As a theologian, born in the 20th century and now serving as a pastor in the 21st century, I have spent most of my career studying God. Right? I mean, you would want that. You, you, you want your pastor to get educated. However, there has been a paradigm shift, a change, if you will, over my 60-plus years, and that kind of ages me, but not exactly. As the study of God has been relegated to the realm of unicorns and other such myths. This is true. The sciences, like archaeology, physics, and astronomy, have become preeminent, ranked higher than the studies of philosophy and, of course, theology. This could be a result of how people have become Lovers of their own image. Can you get that picture? Now, this is my opinion, but would you agree? Today, people are truly lovers of themselves. Everything's about me. And I don't mean me, but I'm saying that on behalf of everybody because it is. It's, it's innate within human beings. They conclude that man is superior. That's not us, right? But others... And they no longer need that higher power to make sense of their surroundings in the universe that we find ourselves in. You know, one of the things that I love about the 12 steps is they seek that higher power. They recognize on their own they cannot do it. They need God. Amen? Now, I shared this recently. Perhaps it is our arrogance toward God that has unleashed the natural realm against us. And I'm speaking specifically about things like Hurricane Ian. When we turn our backs on God, what do you expect? Is the Lord going to bless a nation who have, as I already said, relegated Him to some myth? Deemed that, well, you know, I really don't need God. I mean, it's, it's handy in a pinch, but most of the time people ignore Him. And they, they do not have a relationship with the Father. So what is God to do? Rather than bless us, He's going to take His hands and He's just going to back up and say, okay, you got this. And I'm not saying that he caused the storm. I'm just saying he didn't hold it back. And that brings me to this. This is our response. And I, this has nothing to do with this message. But the Lord inserted it this morning. Second Chronicles 7.14. Say it with me. 
Then if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore, restore their land. So, I want to take a few minutes. I felt impressed. I was going to ask our prayer partners if they would to come if you're inclined and pray with me. But I want to pray. I want to begin by doing what this says. And that is humbling ourselves and repenting. Would you stand with me if you can? Father, thank you. Thank you for your love, Lord. And we know, we know you love us. That you sent Jesus to take our place. That his blood was shed on our behalf so that we wouldn't have to suffer through our sins. But Lord, I believe this nation has turned its back on you. And as the pastor of the Hope Church, Lord, I pray I pray that you would forgive us. Forgive us our sins, our debts. Lord, don't hold them against us. We pray, Lord, that you would release revival in this land once again. Rather than a hurricane, loose your spirit upon this people, this nation. God, may our consciences be seared by the Holy God. By the Prince of Peace, Lord. By the one who gave us life and life in abundance. We pray today that you would forgive our president, our vice president, those in the cabinet, Lord. Our house, our senate. Lord, forgive those in the governor's house. All of the people that serve in government, Lord. Forgive them for the decisions they've made. And we pray, Lord, that you would begin, Lord, just to Put it on our hearts to do the right things. That morality would be become preeminent, Lord. Rather than thinking of self, rather than adoring self, we would look to you, the adorable Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray today that you would heal this land as only you can. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Ladies, do you have anything to add to that? Sounds good. Good prayer, Jeff. Anything else? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> As I was dreaming last night, kind of hoping for a really nice Bambi type of prayer, Bambi type of day, I was on a bus. And by the way, I was thinking about that gal's stick right there. I think God wanted to honor her. But I was driving with a young lady and she started talking about the beauties of socialism. Not exactly the kind of dream I really wanted. And then she started talking about Jesus. You know, regardless of, of where she's going in her philosophy, as long as it ends with Jesus, that covers it all. That covers it all. I can embrace her as a follower of Jesus Christ. I may not really like where she's going with her philosophy, 
But as long as it starts and ends with Jesus, we're good with that. We can rejoice in that. And I believe that's what God wanted me to say. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. The following verse after this verse is what? Verse 15. <laughs> Caught you. And the Lord said, My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. This is what follows when we do this. Again, I want to say it. My eyes, God's eyes will be open. His ears will be attentive to every prayer made in this place. By honoring Him with everything we have, our very all, our body, soul, mind, and spirit. When we do that, when we call upon the Lord to heal this land, He hears our prayers. We need to believe. We need to step into the gap, fill that gap, and pray for this nation on a daily basis. We need God. Amen? Amen. Did you have something? It just brought to my remembrance about blind Bartimaeus. You know, he, was, he couldn't see. He was blind just like most of the people in the world right now are blinded to what's happening, to what's going on in the Spirit. And he began to cry out. He knew Jesus was coming. And he said, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Mm. And everybody around him said, shut up. Just shut up. Don't be calling on Jesus' name. Shut up. But the Bible says he cried all the more. And Jesus met him where he was, and he healed that man. And so we need to cry out all the more, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. The Lord's reminding me that how this country was founded. It was founded by the pilgrims who came because of the tyranny, the oppression they had, the one government that would tell them how they were to worship. They came and founded this country. They made a covenant before they stepped on less, giving this country to God. God's reminding me that they fought for it. They fought their lives to come here to establish this country to freely worship God so we could have the freedoms they didn't have there. And as it revived, they had a revival going on. And then from there, it sparked into separating from England, starting this country, the colonies. And the people who did that, they vowed their, their lives, their sacred honor, and their fortunes just to stand and to have this country we have. And Father, right now, I say, I'm thanking the Lord for what they've done, the covenant we have, and I know because of that covenant, you will not let us go down. Your hand is staying on us because we gave this country to you, and you will honor that and protect us. And I thank you for that. And let us not ever forget we have a covenant with God, and he honors his covenants. Amen. Hallelujah. Sure.
we just want you to know how much we need you. And we've already confessed our sin, Lord. We've asked you to heal this land. And now we pray that you would use each one of us here as vessels of honor, Lord. Use us to tell people about your plan, the hope of the kingdom of God, the fact that Jesus is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. And Lord, we want to be ready. We want our friends and neighbors to be ready. Lord, just release within us the abilities that we need to help people come to you, whether it's an evangelism type of uh, leading or just courage or boldness to say what needs to be said. Lord, put love in our hearts if we don't already have it there. Love for people, especially those who anger us, especially those who are different from us. Lord, help us to see them as you see them. You loved all people, even the ones that hung you on the cross. Lord, may we be like you. Now we commit the remainder of the service to you, Lord. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you, Mary. Whoo! How do you recover from that one? All right. As I said, many hold great contempt toward a God who interferes in their lives. You know what I'm saying? Especially from the Judeo-Christian God and those who represent Him. When people look at you and they give you a hard time, don't, don't go, oh, ow, ooh. It isn't you. Rejoice. Paul said that. Peter said that. Rejoice in the fact that you're being persecuted. Think about what Jesus went through for you and for me. And here's the thing. The neglect of the Bible only compounds man's superiority complex. We already think too much of ourselves. By removing the book, by removing the book, from our lives, that only amplifies that nature. One only needs to go back a short century. Do you remember? Think about the 50s. Do you know what the number one book was that they read in school? What? The Bible. Can you imagine that? And where'd they read it? In school. Where is it today? It's removed from every school, from every library in the school, because it might offend someone. Maybe we need some offending. That's what I'm thinking. The rejection of the Bible allows modern students to go morally unchecked and to develop ideas that contradict and challenge God's teachings. All I can say to that is danger. Danger, Will Robinson. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, President Abraham Lincoln, you remember him? He said this about the Bible. All the good the Savior gave to the world was communicated through this book, through this book. 
But for it, we could not know right from wrong all things most desirable for man's welfare here and hereafter are to be found portrayed in it. Wise words from a president who knew Jesus. The ousting of God's instruction has led the West in an era where man has no moral compass anymore. We only need watch the news to see that what we've created is a monster. And it's a result of dismissing the Bible. Even murder has become but a blemish on a person's conscience. They do it time and time again, if allowed. As much as man has denied the Bible's relevance, how much more do they deny the God who was said to have written this good book? We discussed who wrote the Bible in our core class last Wednesday. I, I thought that was a pretty good time together. And we had food before we studied. <laughs> We're going to do that again this Wednesday at 5 o'clock. By the way, it is wonderful to come together and eat. And it's been a, a well-attended group. Thank you for those who've been able to come. Back to what I said. It seems that the Judeo-Christian God, known as Jehovah, known as Yahweh, known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, known as Jesus Christ, the Messiah, Lord, He has won the trophy for being the most denied God on the planet. Ironically, if one brings up any other god or religion, it is often accepted, or at least, the very least, entertained. But you bring up Jesus. You bring up the Holy Scriptures. Look out. We have no room for that. You're stepping on toes here. Mention any other god? Yeah, okay. But Jesus? <laughs> Why? Because only Jesus holds the key to heaven and death. Only Jesus can provide a way out of sin and into eternal life. Only Jesus is a threat to Lucifer, who holds the title Antichrist. The others have no power. Only the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has the authority and the power. Can I hear an amen? amen? Only the resurrected Christ can help you and me in our moment of despair and loneliness. Only Jesus. Why is the Christian God so despised? Perhaps it's because he's misunderstood. The more that the student studies God the more that we recognize the God subject is over our heads. Can I hear an amen? amen? I went to school for three years to get my master's. What did I learn? I know nothing. <laughs> the more I learned, the more I recognized how awesome and amazing and supreme our God is.
Perhaps it is this mystique, the understanding but not quite, that causes the intellectual to shy away from God. As your pastor, (laughs) I propose to you today that if God is genuinely the God, the God, the engineer who created the universe and all that is in it, then it only seems right that he would not be easily understood. Though his methods are clearly visible to all of us, including those who proclaim God does not exist. Yet, and herein lies the mystique or the mystery, God desires that we know him. Can you say amen to that? Matthew 7 and This is one of the few scriptures that I'm going to show today. Oops. There it is. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Don't make me read this alone. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks the door will be opened. God is giving us permission to enter heaven. To understand who He is. Why He sent Jesus. And what He has in store for us in the next life. The Lord wants men and women, boys and girls, to seek Him. And spend their lifetime wondering, studying, and communicating with Him. Most important, God wants a relationship. Just like he had with Adam and Eve back in the garden in Genesis. He wants a relationship. And here's the thing, Jesus made a way for us to have that same relationship. Now we're not in the Garden of Eden, but we're still on the planet where it was. And God wants to bless you with resources, with things that you never imagined. And that's where the Trinity comes into play. The theology, the study of God, or the study of the nature of God, if you will, of the Trinity is arguably one of the most significant challenges for modern students of the Bible. And I think all would agree that the study of God is already a deep subject, right? One not easily understood. And the the Trinity is just proof of that. Before diving into why the Trinity is vital, and like I already said, this is part one, so there will be more coming. We need a definition to establish our theological foundation. And this is one definition. And I say one because (laughs) this is God. How do we put in words who He is? Right? The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit each form the adorable Godhead. Neither is subordinate to the others. They are each cooperative and essential in making the fullness of God and His mission a reality. It takes the Father. It takes the Son, Jesus. It takes the Holy Spirit 
to accomplish God's plan. You can't dismiss either one of them, any one of them. They're all a part of this. And this might come as a shock to some of you. I don't know. Trinity is not in the Bible. But it certainly alludes to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Often in the same verse, in the same place. Right? Those of you Bible scholars in the room know that. The term Trinity was not used until the late 2nd century. The Oxford Christian Dictionary says, and I'm going to put this up behind me, the one God exists in three persons and one substance. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is one, yet self-differentiated. The God who reveals Himself to mankind is one God, equally in three distinct modes of existence, yet remains one through all eternity. If you're not confused already, let me throw this out. Definitions like this can be very problematic for Christians, as it seems they're polytheistic, meaning more than one God. That has been and continues to be a bone of contention with many who study the triune God. How can there be three separate gods and we call Him one? (laughs) The Assemblies of God has done their best to formulate the following statement on the Trinity. Hopefully this will bring a little clarity. I'm not sure. We're going to throw it out there though. This is two slides. First one. Accordingly, therefore, there is that in the Father which constitutes Him the Father and not the Son. There is that in the Son which constitutes Him the Son and not the Father. And there is that in the Holy Spirit which constitutes Him the Holy Spirit and not either the Father or the Son. Clarity, right? It's making a point, though. Wherefore, the Father is the begetter, the Son is the begotten, and the Holy Spirit is the one proceeding from Father and Son. Therefore, because these three persons in the Godhead are in a state of unity, there is but one Lord, God Almighty, and His name is One. If you want to see that again, you can go to ag.org and it actually gives that down below, but uh, you'll find it eventually. The importance of the oneness of God found in the adorable Godhead cannot be understated. This is one of the, the primary ideas in the Christian faith, in the Protestant faith. We've got to have some kind of an understanding for this because it it throws people. As one person said of the Trinity, reduce one's belief in the equal status of the attributes of any of the persons of the Godhead and one has eliminated one's proof of the existence of the Trinity. Having reduced one's understanding of the doctrine to an ascending relationship of three gods in tandem. Does that make sense at all? Do you get where it's going? You can't 
suggest that the Father has more power than the Son, or the Son has more power than the Holy Spirit. They're equal in this relationship. All three persons in the Godhead are equal, but they're still not the same. And this is what we've got to get. They're individual persons. I'm sharing a lot of quotes, just trying to make my point. In a paper by William Spencer, he observed, we have no precedent in our world for understanding how God can be one and at the same time three. How many say amen to that? Amen. We make the mistake, the nature of the Godhead, by positing three persons in tandem, one eternally exercising authority over the others as human chief executive officers exercise authority over their subordinate staff. Don't we do that? We often think of the Father as being the CEO of the company. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, He, he sent His Son. And what this guy is suggesting, what the policy papers of the Assemblies of God suggest, is that it doesn't matter who did what, they're all equal in their position. But they're different. And yet they're one. Wow. Okay. When we degrade God to man's thinking, that type of logic only diminishes His glory and His supreme nature. God is holy, all-powerful, and the three persons found in the adorable Godhead all have the same mission. What is that? To see man come into right relationship with their Creator. Amen. To usher in His kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That is the mission of the Godhead. That is the mission of God. Spencer went on to say this. He said, all God's attributes are essential. We should not assign distinctive, unequal attributes that divide God's substance. If divine attributes are ranked in a hierarchy, then it, is ne it necessarily follows that the lower rank are of inferior quality. And we should not, cannot, shall not do that. Amen. With that being said, the attributes of each person of the Trinity must remain pure and absolute. We serve a God who is so much bigger than us. His thinking is so much deeper than our thinking. Who are we to think that we can understand this fully? But here's the thing. We can find ourselves thinking, well, why bother? God's too deep for me. Yet, in going back to the verse I shared in the beginning, Matthew 7, 7 and 8, what does God challenge us to do? Seek, knock, ask. He wants you to go after Him. He wants you to study the Scriptures so that you have at least a general foundation of who He is. What it means to be a believer, a follower of Christ. What it means to follow the commands of Jesus. What did He say in Matthew 28? 
19 and following. He said, go and make disciples, baptizing them in, in the name of Jesus. No. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. All three. Teaching them to obey the commands that I've given you. That's what we're supposed to do. Hello. I know this, is, this isn't an easy topic. But it's the one he gave me. So, there. Guess what? Say what, Pastor? I'm about to wrap up. And the reason being is that I didn't want to jump into the next part of this until next week. So we'll get back to this next week. I've dumped a lot on you. This will be online, by the way, if you want to look at... Uh-oh. Before you wrap up. Can you read my writing? Yep. So again, if you want to stand with me, As I said, next week we will get back into the adorable Godhead. Why does the Trinity matter? But I wanted to ask you this morning. Have you assigned God to the realm of human thinking? This is important. Meaning, have you put God in a human box? Do you expect Him to behave like a, another human being. Or, this is the good part, this is where I hope most of you are like, yeah, that's me. Have you consigned to the fact that God is both superior and supernatural? His very being is superior to the natural laws, revealing that He is not controlled or limited by the things that control you and me. He's not controlled by time. He's not controlled by gravity, etc. As the prophet Isaiah said on behalf of God, Isaiah 55 9, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We serve a big God. <laughs> when it comes to the Godhead that we call the Trinity, we can only conclude that this idea of God and three persons is so much deeper than our limited knowledge allows for. Amen? With that being said, we must not let the idea of the Trinity or any confusion that exists about God hinder us from seeking His face. Put another way, we must not let the deepness of God prevent you and me from studying the Scriptures and doing our very best to understand who God is and what He wants to accomplish in us, through us, around us. We need a strong theology, especially today, because there are so many anti-Christ people 
out there today saying God doesn't exist, God's a myth, and God is saying, oh, you got this wrong, folks. I created everything. Ex nihilo, from out of nothing, everything was created. And then we're asked to give an answer for the hope that we have. <laughs> How many have hope? We will be able to give a good answer. One that best represents the God whom we serve. That is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is calling. How will you respond? Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name as spirit-filled vessels. We look to you, Lord, as our source, our all. There is nothing we have of value that doesn't come from you. We recognize that today. And this is important. For anyone here today that may not be where we're at yet, perhaps you're here today and you'd say, you know what? I don't have that kind of relationship with God. There are a lot of things that I don't understand about Him. And I want to just confess my weakness today and, and invite the Lord into my life today to change me and make me a new person, to, to give me all that I need and help me with my understanding. If that's you, if you need His help today, just lift your hand up. No condemnation here. Thank you. Hands up all over the room. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, say this with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I confess my sin. I'm not able to do anything with it. But give it to you. So I place it at the foot of the cross. I put it under the blood of Jesus. Who died for my sins. Who shed his blood. That I might have life. And life everlasting. Now help me. With my finite mind. To think. About good things. About God things. Give me understanding beyond my ears. Help me as I read the scriptures to at least have a general knowledge of what you're saying to us. And Jesus told his disciples that the Holy Spirit would come and lead them into all truth. And that's my prayer for me. Holy Spirit, Lead me into all truth. And I commit my life and all that I have and all that I am into your hands, oh God. Again, in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand today. Hallelujah. And just, if you don't already have this, if, if you need a little bit of an oomph, uh, we've got the Start of Something Wonderful booklet. 
Cheryl has it right over here. She's wearing that pretty little coat she's got on, gray flannel. She's a little shorter, so you, you got to kind of look up. I'm just picking on you. We all love Cheryl. And if you don't have a Bible, they'll, they'll see the, to it that you get one. Uh, and speaking of that, the note that uh, Drew handed me was Thursday, October 6th, this National Bring Your Bible to School Day. Um, yeah, so cool. Woo! How many know God loves you? Look at your neighbor and say, God loves you. Uh-oh, we've got something going here. Yes, weren't you in here? I did that at the beginning. Yes, yes, thank you, though. Thank you for reminding me. All right, I'm done. Woo, man, I'm telling you what. I love it when the Holy Spirit does what he wants to do, and, and we listen. <laughs> so, Father, thank you again for everything you're doing here in this church. Again, just send us out. We are the light in this dark world. Let us let our light shine, Lord. Uh, just keep everybody safe in their coming and in going. Lord, again, I pray for this young man, Jesse. I pray that you would just influence him with your spirit as only you can. And Lord, keep him safe. Help him to be a light shining in the darkness. And again, we commit this church and our people to you. Have a great week. Maybe we'll see you Wednesday.